We continue our series in Daniel, and it is Dare to Be a Daniel. And we this morning are looking, as we continue in chapter 2, standing strong in the face of adversity. Daniel 2, 1 through 19. In the second year of his reign, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams. His mind was troubled and he could not sleep. So the king summoned his magicians, enchanters, and sorcerers, and astrologers to tell them what he had dreamed. When they came in and stood before the king, he said to them, I've had a dream that troubles me, and I want to know what it means. Then the astrologers answered the king in Aramaic, O king, live forever. Tell your servants a dream, and we will interpret it. The king replied to the astrologers, This is what I have firmly decided. If you do not tell me what my dream was and interpret it, I will have you cut into pieces and your houses turned into piles of rubble. But if you tell me the dream and explain it, you will receive from me gifts and rewards and great honor. So tell me the dream and interpret it for me. Once more they replied, Let the king tell his servants the dream and we will interpret it. Then the king answered, I am certain that you are trying to gain time because you realize that this is what I have firmly decided. If you do not tell me the dream, there is just one penalty for you. You've conspired to tell me misleading and wicked things, hoping the situation will change. So then tell me the dream, and I will know that you can interpret it for me. The astrologers answered the king, This is not a man on earth who can do what the king asked. The king, no king however great and mighty, has ever asked such a thing in any magician or chanter or astrologer. What the king asked is too difficult. No one can reveal it to the king except the gods, and they do not live among men. This made the king so angry and furious that he ordered the execution of all the wise men of Babylon. So the decree was issued to put the wise men to death, and men were sent to look for Daniel and his friends to put them to death. When Arioch, the commander of the king's guard, had gone out to put the, to death the wise men of Babylon, Daniel spoke to him with wisdom and tact. He asked the king's officer, why did the king issue such a harsh decree? Arioch then explained the matter to Daniel. At this, Daniel went to the king and asked for time so that he might interpret the dream for him. When Daniel returned to his house, he explained the matter to his friends, Hanai, Mishrael, and Azariah. He urged them to plead for mercy from God of heaven, concerning this mystery so that he and his friends might not be executed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. During the night, the mystery was revealed to Daniel and in a vision. Then Daniel praised the God of heaven. May the Lord bless his word to our hearts and minds this morning. Well, as I said, we will continue our series, Dare to Be a Daniel, Standing Strong in the Face of Adversity. And, you know, adversity sometimes strengthens us. I don't know. Maybe adversity helped Purdue win yesterday, finally. But, uh, <laughs> but, uh, but all of our lives, too. Some time ago, Savannah and I planned for this great trip out west. And we put a lot of time into all the places we want to see, mapped it out and uh, very carefully. And one of the things I tried to do was... Uh, I'm a bit of a camper, but not so much for Savannah. <laughs> She's more the B&B person, all right? So, but we did say in a, in a few KOAs, end up being great. But one of the things I asked was, does it have an air conditioner in a little cabin? We did the little cabin thing, right? And air conditioner. So, uh, and one of the laps for this, one of the legs of the journey was to go from Jackson Hole down to Bryce Canyon and, and kind of in that area north of the Grand Canyon. And so I called the KOA out there. There's only one. <laughs> And she said, yeah, we got a cabin, no problem. And I said, well, I'd like to know if it has a, an air conditioner. Can we pay extra for an air conditioner? She says, we don't have any air conditions in our cabin, but she says, we do have, we do have heat. And I said, well, it's going to be the end of June. We don't need heat. 
we need air conditioning. And she said, no, you know, we don't have any air conditioning. All we have is heat. And I said to myself, all right, that's all we got. So we left that, didn't think much about it, and we headed up. We visited all these places, Mount Rushmore, and, uh, you know, then we went over to Yellowstone. All oh, it was fabulous. And Savannah had wanted to stop in Jackson Hole. She's a big Harrison Ford fan, as am I, lives there. And so it was sort of a fascination. So we got to Jackson Hole, and it, it's just stunning. It's beautiful, and we looked at all the expensive shops that we could only afford to walk in. <laughs> We're like, man, this is nice stuff. And wow, look at that price tag. And then we stayed a little longer than we wanted. And so then we headed south. And, and actually, you know, Don had warned me a little bit, Don and Janice, about, you know, a different route. So we made sure we went to this one route and set off and, and night fell, right? And it's an incredible mountain pass. We kept going up and up and up. And it started to drizzle. And the temperature readout on my gauge there on the dashboard, and then it was dropping. And then all of a sudden, in June, it started to snow. And I thought, well, that's not good. <laughs> but fortunately, we have all-wheel drive. No problem. We got good tires, right? So <clears throat> we start, we just keep driving, and um, the snow starts getting really, really heavy. I mean heavy. And the wind starts blowing. And it's a two-lane road. And it's dark now, and we keep going higher and higher, and, and now the snow is, is, is horizontal. I can't tell where the road is. Fortunately, I got behind this truck, and I said, oh, my God, I hope he doesn't go too fast. We crawled behind this truck, and he couldn't tell where he was going. I said, if he goes off the edge, and I mean, there's not even a guardrail. It's just thousands of feet down. And so I'm glued to, if it had there been any place at all, even a gas station to stop, we would have, but there's not even gas station. So thankfully, we did have a full tank of gas. So we climbed and climbed, and there was ice coming down. I thought, oh, I cannot believe this. And so finally we crested, you know, the, the top there, and we're coming down the other side. And, uh, you know, finally we could see. And I'm just, like, glued to the steering wheel. I'm exhausted. My muscles are, like, aching. And um, we finally get to this KOA, and it is freezing. <laughs> and our only words was, does the heater work? <laughs> And, uh, oh, man, I'll tell you what, it was, it was freezing, though. But thankfully, the heater didn't work. And you know what? Just like the lady said, we did not need air conditioning. Well, we always talk about it. And from there, we went on to the Grand Canyon, North, North Rim and South Rim. But we always talk about that. Sometimes when we're talking about, uh, you know, adversity and vacations, things that happen in life. And I think that, you know, we got better. We're so thankful we survived that. Now, thank God for that truck. I mean, that, just sort of crawling up there and GPS, because we only knew where the word, road was because of the GPS. But in our own lives, many times, adversity, facing adversity, can strengthen us for more difficulty down the road, more challenges that we face. And as that is a backdrop, if we walk back into the story of Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, as I mentioned before, uh, Nebuchadnezzar swept into Egypt, and then he, on the way he conquered the Assyrians, who were the dominant power of the day, conquered Egypt in a decisive battle, and then he besieged the Judean countryside in Jerusalem, and uh, he took 10,000. And the first time, took more later, 10,000 of the best and brightest away to Babylon. And there he had an idea to educate them in his culture and in his values so that, one, the people wouldn't foment rebellion in the countryside, and two, so later on they would go back and they'd rule the countryside with his values, with his identity, and uh, was very, in that day, it was a very unique strategy. And the first reaction of these young people was to rebel. Look at Daniel, Shadrach, and Meshach. 
and Abednego, and they received a letter from Jeremiah, back from Judea, the Judean countryside, telling them to do four things. Those four things were to live and settle there. He said, basically, build relationships rather than stir rebellion. How many know that building relationships rather than stirring than rebellion often does a lot more good? And so he says, build relationships, but here's the key. Keep strong values. Be salt and light in your world. And then probably the most challenging thing was he, he told them to be a blessing. He actually said, pray for the shalom, the peace and prosperity. It's one word, but for our English, peace and prosperity is, is the only kind of translation because it's the, not just the peace, but also the spiritual well-being and the physical well-being, relational well-being of the people that you're with. Because if they're blessed, you'll be blessed too. Wow, how radical is that? It's like a picture of the incarnation and an admonition and challenge to us to do the very same thing, even for our enemies, to pray for the good of our enemies and to trust God was the final thing, to trust God, that God would do work, and 70 years from then, God would bring them back, and they would have been a blessing and changed the world. That did, in fact, happen. And so we said last week as we looked at the first kind of challenge, it was a tiny test, it was about diet, of all the things, you know, to sort of take a stand. About diet, and the king wanted them to have the best. It was a good intention, but the meat and the wine had been offered to idols, and so they said, just give us vegetables and water and compare and see who is stronger at the end of 10 days. And indeed, after 10 days, as they're given the opportunity, they were stronger, they were fitter, they were wiser than all the others. And so they gained favor in that moment. And I said many times, God strengthens us in the tiny test for the bigger battles down the road. God strengthens us in the tiny test for the bigger battle down the road. Well, indeed, this is a bigger battle. So we come to this setting today. And the King Nebuchadnezzar, who's, who's very wise, you notice how shrewd he is? The king has this dream that is so unsettling to them. He calls in all the wisest of the magicians and the land and says, tell me my dream and then tell me my interpretation. You see how that works? Because if, if he just told them the dream, they could tell him anything, right? And they'd have to wait years to see if it's true. But the king says, no. So I know that you're telling me the truth. I want you to tell me my dream, and then tell me the interpretation, so I know that you've heard from God. And they say there's no way that can happen. The king was so furious, he ordered all of them executed, including Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who weren't there at the time. And as they come to get Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Daniel asks, what's going on? What's going on? And then he says, I want to go before the king. And so the first thing this morning I want you to know is the courage, the courage of Daniel. Tremendous courage. In the face of execution, I mean, the king had him killed right then. Daniel goes before the, the king. And the king explains to Daniel what he wants. And Daniel, rather than being like the other wise people of Babylon, says, let me go and pray. Let me go and pray so that I can seek the answer for the king. Now, his life was on the line, as well as, may I say, all the lives of the wise men and all these people from Babylon. And so Daniel has the courage to do that. So courage for all of us. We need to have courage to stand strong facing adversity and challenge in our own lives. But the second thing I want you to notice is prayer. What's the first thing that Daniel says? He says, let me go and pray to Nebuchadnezzar the king. And then what does he do? Does he pray by himself? 
No. He finds his friends whom he knows he can trust and who have a common faith, and he prays with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego all night long. When was the last time you did that, facing challenge and adversity? And I recommend exactly that. Sometimes we just go gallivanting off what we think is right, but when was the last time you prayed all night with friends for the direction of God Almighty, for the intervention of God Almighty? And that's what Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, because prayer changes lives. Prayer doesn't always change God's mind, (laughs) but through prayer, God can change our lives. And I want to just pause for a moment and look again at Paul's words in Romans 12, 1 and 2, where he says, I urge you, sisters and brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices. What's a great sacrifice? The way you live. The way you live is a sacrifice. He says, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. This is to power up, to live out there, to be salt and life, worship. He said, do not conform, and that's uh, to be pressed in is the word in Greek, to the pattern of this world. And pattern, the word in Greek is schizatomai, which is like schematic. If you're an electrician or sometimes uh, even a mechanic, you have a schematic that shows the diagram. He says, don't don't be wired by the kind of diagram of the world. Instead, be transformed. And that word is metamorphosis. So sometimes it's a slow growth. So just like a, a caterpillar turns to a butterfly, spends that time, be transformed by the renewing of your mind, and then you will be able to approve what God's will is, God's good, pleasing, and perfect will. Well, what was Daniel doing? Daniel was praying so God could renew his mind. God could continue to transform him so he could be salt and light in the world. So they prayed. And God, in the night, revealed the dream and the meaning of the dream. You know, God works in the night. We like God to work during the day. (laughs) In the light, in the bright, we're all feeling good. But I'm going to tell you, more often than not, many times, God works in the night. When things seem dark, when things seem painful and difficult and challenges and adversity come our way, God comes in the night. And so God answered Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's prayer, gives them the dream and interpretation, and Daniel goes to the king. Trust is the final thing. Trust. Now, why did it take trust? Why did it take so much trust? Well, one... He had to make sure that the dream was right and interpretation was right. But there's something else. What was the dream? You can read it later. The dream was a vision of this statue of gold and bronze, silver and earth. Giant statue. A very, very famous dream. So Daniel tells the king the dream. But even more importantly, Daniel tells the king unabashedly the meaning of the dream. And the meaning of the dream is this, in the broad sweep of time, Daniel describes the kingdoms of this earth, the future, as well as the present. And he says, here are you, Nebuchadnezzar, in this moment, but after you, your kingdom will fall, and the Persians will sleep, sweep in, and they will rule, and after them another king, which ends up being the Greeks, and then the Romans, and then all the kingdoms of time, and then one day, God will come. And much will be destroyed, but God will reign forever. Man, that takes courage. 
You got to be bold for that. You got to believe the Holy Spirit is on your side. But Daniel stood firm facing adversity and he told the king the meaning. And don't you know that Nebuchadnezzar maybe is this great king who had conquered Egypt, conquered Assyria, besieged, knew that his kingdom would not last forever any more than the Syria or the Egypt or the Sumerians far before that? He's smart enough to know that. And he gave Daniel credit for knowing that and giving him the dream and the meaning of the dream and the wisdom to know his place in history. Now, we'll see down the road that what he did with that wasn't always the best thing. But in that moment, he knew that God was speaking to Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Powerful moment in time. So for all of us today, what challenge, what adversity are you facing in life? I recommend the path of Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. First of could keep in mind that in this moment, to build relationships, to live and settle is so much better than stirring rebellion, but to keep strong values, to be a blessing for those around you, even those that are working against the purposes of God, but to be a blessing that you might transform them and to trust God, but also to have the courage to stand up for what is right, even when all is at stake, and then to pray. And when you pray, many times you need to find friends that you can bind together and pray with and to trust God. Remember what Jeremiah had said in the midst of all this? He gave him the promise, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Jeremiah 29, 11. A great promise of trust for them and a great promise of trust for us today. This is World Communion Sunday. When we think about and we celebrate God's presence in all the world, transforming, hopefully, partially through us, is salt and light in the world. Just like Daniel, they are blessing a foreign kingdom, people that had conquered them by being salt and light in the world. And in this moment today, we're touched as we gather around today, but not only to unite with people around the world of like belief, united in Christ, but also to be salt and light in the world to be salt and light in the entire world, working for God's purposes. And so, so important for us to remember that today. How are we doing about being salt and light and blessing those around us, building relationships, right? And keeping strong values so we could light a candle in the night to pray for the shalom of the people and to trust God. I'm gonna close with this story about challenge and adversity. One of my daughter's favorite Heroes is Bethany Hamilton, and we had the opening confirmation retreat this Friday, and great time with our, some of our young people there, and we played a little video from Bethany Hamilton. She shares her faith and, and her life and the challenges she faced. She was a 13-year-old girl in Hawaii and a rising star uh, at the national uh, competition level at 13 in surfing, and then she was surfing with some friends, and a 12-foot tiger shark uh, bit her entire shoulder off, bit uh, uh, halfway through the surfboard, took a whole bite out of the surfboard, about two feet, and tore her arm off, and she lost half of her blood. 
en route there and the, to get to shore and to get to the hospital. Never, never cried out once in, in pain or panic. Amazingly enough, she kept her cool. She kept calm. And her father was in the operating room waiting for surgery and heard the call coming into the hospital and, and for some reason just felt like it was her and ended up donating his blood instead of going into surgery. And miraculously, her life was saved. But she's missing her entire arm from the shoulder down. And so it was a miracle just to survive. But the question is, what would she, she do? Competing at the surf level. And so she decided that a month later, she was back on her surfboard. And uh, she was surfing. She was managed to do that. Can you imagine after going through that kind of trauma? And at 13 years old, even. And uh, her faith was a big part of getting her through the surgery and everything. Her family is a very strong faith. And then <clears throat> she tried to compete, but she, uh, she could surf great, but she could not get through the waves. And so she was discouraged when she lost a surfing competition. And what, she <clears throat> what she's decided to do with her discouragement was there was a mission opportunity uh, over in the, um, the Eastern Asia, and there'd been a giant tsunami. And so she went with her church youth group. And uh, China said she was giving up surfing. And she was over there handing out, at 13 years old, handing out food and supplies to this uh, young people and families that had been devastated by this tsunami. And she found after she was there for a couple of days, she befriended all these kids that, that the, everyone was afraid of the water, particularly the kids. They wouldn't go in the water. And this was a group that, that loved um, water and everything. And so... She took the courage that she got on one of the kids' surfboards and, and went out and showed them how to have fun in the water and changed her life. Got on the news, and she came back, and um, literally thousands of letters from all over the world cheering for her. Meanwhile, her dad uh, had devised a way to to put a rope by drilling through the surfboard so that she could put her hand on, on the surf and so she could uh, do a deep dive through the waves. And she ended up going back into surfing and uh, did fabulous second in the uh, national competition today as a world-class surfer, uh, gives her testimony all over the world. And um, she's a greater candle in the night because of what happened to her. Stronger faith able to help other people through challenge and adversity. And uh, she's married, she's a mom, and she's a professional surfer. I say that because these young people, Daniel, Shadrach, and Meshach, and Benigo, were just teenagers when they went to Babylon, facing challenge and adversity, and God used them. God used Bethlehem Hamilton. God used them specifically because of the challenge and adversity that she could go through, that her light would shine even brighter in the nighttime. And I don't care what age you are, what stage you are in faith and life, the nighttime does come. The hard times do come. But God is there in the night, and God will help you light a candle in the night if you're willing to have the courage to stand for what is right, if you're willing to pray with friends, and that's one of the things that she did was pray together with her friends and family and you're willing to trust God. Because God has a plan and purpose for all of our lives. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. And I'm not gonna kid you and say there's not opposition and challenge and adversity in the world. Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. There are those who will oppose you and will oppose the ways of God. 
and will oppose God's working. But take heart, I've overcome the world. You, through the power of the Holy Spirit, can be a candle and light, just like Bethany and Hamilton, just like Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And I pray that we all are candles and light today, World Communion Day, and each and every day. And all God's people said, Amen. We join me in prayer. Lord, as we think about these four faithful young teenagers, Lord, who inspire us and help us to show the path of faith and life, we pray, Lord, that like them, that we would be candles and light. Like them, that you would use us in your world today to be salt and light, to light up our world, even in the darkest night. And we know, Lord, that even as we face challenge and adversity, that you are helping our faith to grow so we could shine even brighter. We pray this all in the name of Christ Jesus, our Lord, and all God's people said, amen.